All right, it's preaching time. Take your Bibles. Turn to 2 Peter, please. 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. We're going to take a break from the Ephesians 2 workmanship series tonight. I came to the pulpit this morning with both these messages on my heart, and I couldn't get away from it this afternoon. So we're going to go in this direction tonight. 2 Peter chapter number 2. And when you find your place there, turn back to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10, we're going to use our Bible a little bit tonight. Are you all okay with that? And so keep your Bibles out. We're going to turn over to Genesis here in just a minute. But I want to start out in these two passages in the New Testament. When you find your place, stand with me please. 2 Peter chapter number 2. The Bible says in verse number 6. 2 Peter 2, 6. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. I want to, we'll, we'll go to 1 Corinthians in just a second. I want to preach a little bit tonight out of Genesis on this thought, lessons from the life of Lot. Lessons from the life of of Lot. Lord, help us tonight as we look at this Bible character. I pray that we have gleaned some help. Maybe somebody here tonight benefit from this message. I'm sure they will, since this is the message that you laid upon my heart. And I pray that we would uh, rightly divide the word of truth tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so very much for standing. You can be seated. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, the Bible's talking about the children of Israel in the wilderness in verse number one and talks about them and uh, Moses. And he made a statement in verse number five, but with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now in 2 Peter chapter two, Verse number six, it says that God condemned Sodom and Gomorrah with an overthrow. Is that not what it says? God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and, and our text, 2 Peter 2, verse six says, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. So God made an example out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, when you get over to 1 Corinthians 10, the Bible tells us, talking about the children of Israel, verse 5, that with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So it just was interesting to me that in 2 Peter 2, Sodom and Gomorrah was overthrown and made an example to those that should live ungodly. And in 1 Corinthians 10, the children of Israel were also overthrown in verse 5. They were also given to us an example 
what not to do, that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And he went on to say in verse number 11, now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they were written for our admonition. That word admonition means instruction. Upon whom the ends of the world are come. So I just thought it was interesting that the usage of the two words overthrow and in samples and examples, uh, talking about uh, the, the, the Sodom and Gomorrah being an example to those that would live ungodly. And then, of course, to the church at Corinth, Paul referred to the children of Israel and the overthrow that they encountered in verse number five as also being an example. And it went so far in verse number 11 to say they were written for our admonition. I guess what I want to do tonight is turn back over to Genesis chapter number 12 and let's start there. And here's what I'd like to do. And I have really, I've battled with even preaching this message. I preach, uh, I've preached from this passage uh, quite a bit, as a matter of fact. And I wasn't even going to preach this message here. God gave me this message back in August when I was preaching in Georgia. And I preached it down there and God used it. And I figured that would be a one and done message. But this week, God laid it back on my heart. And I went back and started looking at it. And I just couldn't get away from it. And somebody needs this tonight. So much so that we're putting a pause on this series. Because I want to look at the life of Lot and realize that um, the things that happened to him, when we read them, it's more than just a story. First Corinthians is clear. God tells us these Old Testament stories for our admonition. There are some things we need to learn. Now, there's three basic ways to learn. I heard this years ago. I may have shared this before. I may hear it again. Three basic ways that we as human beings learn. One is through exhortation. That's when a teacher stands up in front of you and teaches like I'm doing right now. It's called exhortation. That's the best way to learn. Easiest way to learn is through just instruction. Second way that you and I learn is by example. That's when we observe others and learn what they do. See what they do and what, learn what not to do. That's what Paul was talking about. And he said, look at them, look at their example so that you won't lust after the things they've lusted. Don't make the same mistakes they made. Right. Now, if you're smart, you'll look at other people's mistakes and learn from them. Right. Right. And if you're not smart, then you'll learn the third way through experience. Right. School of hard knocks. Yep. Right. That's, when you, that's when you have to do it yourself the hard way in order to learn. So there's three ways to learn, exhortation, example, or experience. I like to try to learn as much as I can from the first two. I want to learn through in, in exhortation, and I want to learn by example. I want to watch people's life, and I want to be challenged, Brother Barley, on things to do right. That's the reason why I bring men like Brother Joe Bryant, his wife, and they've been preaching 54 years. The man did something right. If I figure if I hang out with him long enough, some of it might rub off on me. Amen. Amen. And um, I actually had a, a quote in my, in my notes this morning, uh, Brother Buster Mullins, when he was here, uh, and I, I was just in such a big way this morning, I didn't use half my notes, but Brother Buster Mullins, when he was here, I was sitting in my office drinking some coffee, and boy, he got to waxing eloquent about some things that would have went perfect with my message this morning if I'd remembered to share it with you. It was in my notes, but since I forgot to, I'm going to do it now. I didn't got nothing to do with the message tonight, but it was pretty good. That's pretty good. And I may have even mentioned it before, but it was, it was too good to go with that, that uh, being not weary and well-doing. And we were sitting in my office and we were just talking about the, the demonic activities. It just seems to be so intense and so, so much more. And God's people seem to be so much more complacent 
and, 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 and uh, just the apathy is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, and he made the statement, Brother Mullins made the statement he, when we were sitting in my office. He said, he said that in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was there with his disciples. He had his inner circle. Peter, James, and John went to him and said, pray with me. Watch and pray. I quoted that verse this morning, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And they couldn't stay awake to save their life. I mean, he just kept going to sleep. He kept going to waking them up. They kept going to sleep, kept going to sleep, kept going to sleep. Finally, he just said, sleep on. But Judas Iscariot wasn't sleeping. He wasn't even tired. He was going all over town. He was going all over town betraying the Lord Jesus Christ, recruiting, recruiting soldiers and recruiting the high priest and, 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 and getting paid to tell him where Jesus was. He wasn't sleeping. Brother Mullen said this, he said, in the years of ministry, he said, I learned one thing. I learned that there's an energy that comes with evil that does not come with righteousness. The devil's crowd is energized tonight. God's people is asleep, fighting sleep. Now, that has nothing to do with the message tonight, but I thought about it this morning, and I forgot to tell you, so I just told you. Where am I at? All right. When we look at the life of Lot... We discover, at least I discover, that Lot really wasn't, uh, 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 he wasn't a quick learner. Lot made a lot of mistakes. I actually was going to title this message, A Lot We Could Learn from the Life of Lot, but that was a lot, so I didn't. A lot we could learn from the life of Lot. A lot of lessons we could learn from the life of Lot, but it was a lot. So we're just going to go with lessons from the life of Lot. And we could probably give you about 30. I'm only going to give you about 28 or 29. He was a slow learner. He didn't learn from exhortation. He didn't learn from example. Didn't learn too much from experience as we're going to see. Now here's the reason why I felt like the Lord laid this message on my heart. He made a lot of mistakes. The problem is he kept making more mistakes after he made mistakes. They just kept piling up. He never did find a place to back up. You know, Lot died, an old man. He died bitter, broken, embarrassed, washed up. I don't even want to know how he died. The story ends, I'll just tell you this. It starts out, he's, he's, he's with Abraham, traveling with Abraham. He was related to Abraham. He was with Abraham, traveling with him, his caravan, as they went to this place that the Bible says that God said, I'll tell you where, you, where you're going when you get there. He started out with Abraham, and he ends, up, he ends up in a cave having two kids by his own daughters while he was drunk. Now, it don't, it don't get much worse than that. Let's just be honest. I mean, you want to talk about, you want to talk about crashing and burning, that is epic-style crash and burn right there. And, and God kept throwing up stop signs. God kept giving Lot opportunities to hit the brakes and say, you know what, I need to fix some things. He just kept the pedal to the metal and he just absolutely destroyed his life and his family's. Now you say, well, that's, that's sad. That's horrible. I know it is. You know what's worse? Is there are people today that can read his life story in the Bible and then turn right around and make the same mistakes. Do the exact same things that Lot did, and we know how it worked out for him. Now, here's the problem. A lot of people think it's going to work different for them. Okay? If it didn't work out for Lot, it's not going to work out for you and I. And God put that story of Lot in the Bible 
according to 1 Corinthians, along with all the rest of the stories in the Old Testament, for our admonition. And so let's just tonight glean some things from the life of Lot that hopefully, hopefully, that when the time comes in mind in your life, God will bring these lessons to our remembrance. We don't make the same mistakes. Genesis chapter number 12. A couple of things I want you to notice. If you want to, I don't have the PowerPoint tonight. You can just write these down. Number one, talk about lessons from the life of Lot. Number one, don't walk away from a man that can get a hold of God. Right. Amen. Lot made a lot of mistakes. This was one of his biggest ones. And this was one of his first ones. And all the rest of them touched this one. In, 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 in Genesis chapter number 12, verse number 4, as so Abraham departed, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. Is that what your Bible says? Look at chapter 13, verse number 4. Abram went up out of Egypt, verse number 1, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him. He went on his journeys, verse 3, from the south even to Bethel. Verse 4, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also which went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. Are you getting the picture? Abram's got a relationship with God. God's talking to Abraham. God's leading him. God's guiding him. And Lot is riding on his coattail. Or as Brother Watson preached it during the Jubilee, he's running on somebody else's fire. Look at chapter uh, 13, verse number 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him. I'm in chapter 13, verse 14. God's still talking to Abram. After that lot was separated from him. Boy, I just have a hard time understanding why Lot won't leave somebody God's talking to. Right. Let's just be honest. God wasn't talking to a whole lot of people at this point in the history. In fact, I guarantee you could drive for weeks and not find anybody else that God was talking to like he was Abram and Lot left him. Look at what it says in chapter 15. Um, verse number one. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision. Look at verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him. Look at verse number 18. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Look at chapter 17. Verse 1. And when the Abram was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I'll make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him. You see that? This is the one Abraham, this is the one Lot walked away from. Right. Chapter 17, verse number 22. God's still talking to him. Verse 19 and 20. I've heard thee. I've heard thee, behold, I've blessed him and will make him fruitful, multiply him. God's still talking. Verse 22, he left off talking with him. God went up from Abraham. They had a relationship. Chapter 18, verse number one, the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. Chapter 18, verse number 33, and the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham. 
This wasn't just an isolated event. Abraham and God had a relationship. God talked to Abraham. God communicated his word and his will to Abraham. And this is the man that Lot chose to abandon. It breaks my heart when I see young people that's got mamas and daddies that love God. Mamas and daddies that are trying their best to do right. And they might not, they might not be perfect. In fact, they're not perfect. No parent is. But they're trying. To see young people walk away from their parents. Their parents have prayed for them, interceded for them, tried their best to raise them in the old paths. And to see them walk away from parents have a relationship with God is foolish. It's foolish. I've seen church members get fouled up and walk away from a church where God meets with his people, where God speaks and God blesses. And God's got his hand on that ministry. And God's got his hand on that preacher. And though that church may not be perfect, and that preacher's not perfect, God speaks to them. God works there. There's a relationship. And they think nothing about just walking away from where God is. Don't walk away from a man that can get a hold of God. Don't walk away from a place where God dwells, where God's working. Think twice about that. Is everybody still with me? Number two, another lesson we can learn from the life of Lot. Don't let one disagreement with the brethren get you out of the will of God. Go back to chapter number 13. Chapter number 13, the Bible tells us in verse 7, there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwell then in the land. And Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee. Between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. And it doesn't tell us what they were arguing about necessarily or how long it had gone on. But it got so bad, Abraham had to intervene. I guess what bothers me when I read this story, and we just, I just showed you several places in the previous chapter 12 and in chapter 13, that this was Abraham's journey. This was Abraham's move. This was Abraham's deal. God had come to him, told him what to do, where to go. God was instructing him. God was blessing him. Lot, the Bible says, was with Abraham. It says at least twice. Lot was with him. Chapter 12, verse 4, Lot went with him. Chapter 13, verse number 5, Lot also went with him. I mean, this was, this was Abraham's deal. And Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen have a strife. And instead of Lot figuring out what the problem was and fixing the problem, his solution, and, Mo, and, and Abraham gave the suggestion, and we see nowhere that Lot ever put up any protest or said, no, I don't want to leave, like a lot of people in the Bible did when they were told they could leave. Remember Elisha and Elijah? Remember, remember uh, Ruth and Naomi? When Ruth said to Naomi, said, Ruth, go on back to your family. She said, I ain't going back to my family. I'm going with you. Elijah told Elisha several times right there before he was taken up into heaven. He said, go ahead and stay here. He said, as as the Lord liveth, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going with you. I'm not staying here. And Abraham said, why don't we, why don't we split up here? We got, we got all this dispute. We got all this strife going on. Why don't you go over there and I'll stay over here. If Lot had had any sense, he'd have said, no, I ain't leaving you. This is your deal. I, I, I'm, I'm the passenger. Not let one disagreement get me out of the will of God. 
As a pastor, sometimes I see people have disagreements with each other. First, two people in the church have a disagreement, and one of them ends up leaving the church over. And I'm thinking to myself, was that all it took to get you to leave the church? Where's the commitment? Where's the, where's the Christianity of not sitting down biblically and working through that thing and fix it? Yeah. All you got to do is say, I'm sorry. Hug necks and forget about it. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. But it's too hard for some people. It's easier for them to leave the church and get out of church and get out of the will of God and, 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 uh, and, and miss out on what God has. Well, Abraham's servants and Lot's servants having a strife. He let that one disagreement get him out of the will of God. This was, this was going downhill fast. Look at chapter 13, verse number 10. I referred to this this morning because these messages were both burning on my heart at the same time. It's hard to separate them when it's like that. They get all mixed up. A casserole message. Abraham said, let there be no strife, I pray thee. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart the right hand, then I will go to the left. You can tell from verse number nine, Abraham didn't have, he didn't have any contentious, proud attitude about it. He's like, I just want to get along. If you want to go over there, I'll go over here. If you want to go over there, I'll go over there. It don't matter to me. We just got to stop his strife. Look at what it says in verse 10. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. That was the verse I referred to this morning. Looked like Egypt. There's another whole message about Uncle Abraham took him to Egypt. He saw Egypt. <laughs> he got introduced to a life and to a world. Well, I'm not going to go in that direction. That's another message. I will say this, it looked like the land of Egypt. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east. Write this down. Talk about lessons from the life of Lot. Read number three, don't look at anything that looks like Egypt. The Bible says he lifted up his eyes in verse number 10 and beheld all the plain of Jordan. He got to looking at it. And it looked like, the Bible said it looked like Egypt. And the more he looked at it, the better it got. And, and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta give it to the devil. He knows how to make it look good. Right. Yes, sir. He knows how to make sin look good. Yes, sir. He knows how to entice yes, that forbidden fruit in Genesis. Right. She looked at it and saw yep. and saw the fruit, and boy, it looked good. And that lust and that desire begin to be cultivated in her heart and mind for that forbidden fruit because it looked good. So here's the, here's the lesson, young people. If it looks like Egypt, don't even look at it. Don't even look at it. Some of y'all may or may not remember that, uh, that story in the Jungle Book. Remember that Jungle Book? And there was that big old snake. Can't remember his name. Eyes would look like, do like start that hypnotizing stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? 
Bear with me as I make a carnal illustration. That snake would come down in his eyes and he'd go, his eyes would start doing like that right there. And old Mowgli, I remember that. Mowgli. He started to get hypnotized. That is exactly what the devil does. He's a serpent too, by the way. He's real good at hypnotizing young people. If he can just get you to look at him long enough, get you spellbound, get you hypnotized and pull you in and take control of your mind, take control of your heart and lead you somewhere you don't want to be. So the lesson is, don't look at anything that looks like Egypt. By the way, I think it's interesting in verse number 10, the Bible says that he lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain. It was well watered, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. The devil is an expert at getting Egypt to look like the garden of the Lord. But young people, listen to me carefully. This is a good rule to go by. If it looks like Egypt, it is Egypt. And I said it this morning, nothing of God looks like Egypt. <laughs> he stood there and looked at it. The longer he looked at it, the better it looked. If we could just get, if we could just get young people to turn their head, turn their head. Solomon in, in I think it's Proverbs four, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I've got these verses underlined in my Bible. Every time I read these verses, I think about back in the olden days, they used to put blinders on those, on those horses when they were plowing with them. Put blinders on them. They put them I, put, I think they put them on them when they're racing them too. But I don't know. I've never been to a horse race. Brother Leader, do they put blinders on those horses when they're in the... Here's what it says. Proverbs 4. Let thine eyes... Let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Mm. I wonder so much in the book of Proverbs about your eyes. Don't look at Egypt. Don't look at it. You don't want to live in Egypt. That's where, that's where God saves people from. Egypt is a type and a picture of the unsaved lost condition. Okay, don't look at Egypt. That's your lesson. Number four, write this down. Look at chapter four. Look at chapter four. Boy, wish I had time to preach all this. It's about three or four messages in one. Abraham, Lot got himself in a mess. The Bible tells us that all these kings were fighting one with another. I don't have time to read the first 10 verses and give you all this backstory. The Bible says in verse number 11, they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. What about that? The Bible tells us in verse 16 that it was, his, it was Lot and his goods and the women. They took everybody. Write this down, number four. Stay with the crowd that can help rescue your family. Yes. In chapter number 14, Lot and his entire family got kidnapped. They got taken up. They got kidnapped and stolen away by these kings and they got taken off. And the Bible tells us in verse 
Number 13, there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother to Eshcol, the brother of Aner, and these were confederate with Abram. Look at verse 14. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he put him on the prayer list. Is that what it says? No. He armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, pursued them unto Dan, divided himself against them, he and his servants by night, and smote them, pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left side of Damascus, and brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods, and the women also, and the people. Now this right here, I'm just going to be honest with you, this was where I started to really figure out that Lot wasn't all that sharp. The Bible tells us he went from the plains of Sodom, pitching his tent toward Sodom in chapter 13, verse number 12, to you get to chapter number 14, and now he's living in a house in Sodom, verse number 12. He's, he's done moved into Sodom. So here's what he did. If I got my story straight, Brother Adriel, here's what he did. He looked at the plains which looked like Egypt, and he looked at him so long, he decided that's where he wanted to live. So he lived in the plains and pitched his tent towards Sodom. And then he got to looking at Sodom so long, he decided he wanted to just go ahead and move in down there. So what happened. You'll always end up where you're looking. Now he's in Sodom. And these kings come in and kidnap, steal him and his family, steal them away, and Abraham goes after him and delivers him and his family and brings them back, and Lot moved back into his house in Sodom. I'm just going to be honest with you. I believe I'd stay with a crowd that could help rescue my family. Lot was blessed to have people close by that loved his family enough to risk their lives. It's very clear Abraham loved Lot and his family. Very clear to me, Lot, Abraham wasn't holding a grudge about Lot leaving wrong. That's right. That's right. Well, Abraham helped him get his family back. I'd like to think, I'd like to think in this place, this place, I'd like to think if one of my kids was on the rocks, I'd like to thank some people in this church that helped me Amen. pray for my kids. Amen. I'd like to think that if something happened to my family, there'd be enough people to be concerned enough about my family. Number five, write this down. When you read about what happened a lot in verse number 11 and 12, and how they took him and his family captive. And here, here comes Abram in verse number 14. He armed, Abram, the Bible says Abram heard his brother was taken captive. He armed his trained servants, 318. Number five, here's a lesson I learned from the life of Lot. You ready? Learn how to fight for your family so other people won't have to. That's deep, isn't it? Abraham trained his servants how to fight in the event somebody ever came in there on them. Lot didn't. And Lot got salvaged only because somebody else that had learned how to fight 
came to his rescue. Can I say this to you this evening? I'm saying this as humbly as I know how. I would hate to think that my wife and my five kids was relying on another man to keep the devil off of them. Are y'all getting this? I said, I'd hate to think that my five kids and my wife, I say five kids, I got kids and son-in-laws and I'd hate to think my family was leaning on somebody else to stand between them and destruction other than me. Now that would hurt my feelings. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I want to say something to you, Daddy. Listen to me very carefully. I don't care if you've been saved 50 years or if you just got saved last night. You are the priest of your home. Amen. You, sir, are the priest of your home. I get tickled sometimes at people. They always want to fuss at preachers, Brother O'Donnell. They say they're, 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 they're overstepping their pastoral, biblical pastoral authority. But when it comes to being the spiritual leader in their home, they don't mind the pastor having to overstep his pastoral authority. But the pastor is not the priest of your home. You got a lot of men, though, that act like the preacher is the priest of their home. And I'm not. You are. My job is to help you, brother, a leader, and encourage you, brother Adriel, with your, your marriage and your children, but your family is your responsibility. I got my hands full with my family. But Lot was literally incapable of defending himself against the enemy. But Abraham had taken the time to train and arm his own servants. Takes time, takes effort, more than a lot, lot of men want to spend. It's obvious to me Lot didn't know how to fight. Right. And Lot had servants too. Yes, sir. Feel how quiet it's getting. Yes, Abraham had servants, Lot had servants. Abraham taught his servants how to fight and armed them. Lot had servants, apparently couldn't any of them fight. He was too busy hobnobbing in Sodom to learn how to protect his family. Let's just be honest. They wouldn't have got kidnapped if they hadn't been there to start with. Those kings didn't come steal Abraham away. And he was rich, the Bible says, very rich in gold and silver and cattle. They didn't come get his stuff. So here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, except the strong man be bound. They can't break into your house and spoil your goods. All they got to do is, is bind the strong man and they can take everything you've got. We're preaching on Wednesday nights about the battle for our little ones. Y'all seeing all this overlap? Learn how to fight for your family so others won't have to. Number six. Look at chapter 19. Is everybody Okay. Chapter 19, verse 1, there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Look at that. Sat in the gate. Bless his heart. What is he doing there? That was a place of preeminence. That was a place of leadership. That was a place of influence. 
Why was he there? Here's your number, here's your number six, young people. Don't seek a place of prominence in Sodom. You tell me why Lot. The Bible in 2 Peter tells us he was a just man. In another place it says he was a righteous man. Now if the Bible didn't say that, I'd preach Lot a lost man. Brother Bell, I don't see any fruit of salvation in Lot. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter that he was, that he was grieved. Is that what it said? The Bible says he was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. The Bible says, in seeing and hearing them vex his righteous soul from day to day. So why in heaven's name was he sitting in the gate? You say, well, maybe he was there to try to make a change. How'd that work out for him? Maybe he was in the gates of Sodom. He was trying to win them to God. He couldn't win his family to God. What are you talking about? He had family members that got nuked when that fire and brimstone fell out of heaven. He couldn't even get his own kids out of there. No, he was in the, he was in the gates of Sodom because he wanted to be a big dog with the wrong crowd. We got a lot of people today, they want the approval. They want to be prominent with the wrong people. That's why a lot of preachers won't preach like I preach around here because if they do, they won't get invited to the meetings. And they're right, they won't. Because I don't. <laughs> I don't even get invited to them. You say, well, what makes you think that they what makes you think that they would? Nothing, but I'm just saying. Because see, they want the approval of the wrong people. They want that, they want that the world's blue check mark by their name. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Twitter's got that blue check, that blue check by, beside your name. They want that official blue check mark from the world by their name. Yep, we got him. We, we like him. And that's why, that's why a lot of young people go into the world. They want to, they want to seek prominence in Sodom. Number seven. Well, every one of these points is a message. Chapter 19, verse number eight. These two men came, these two men came to see Lot. He bowed his face toward them, verse number one. Invited them into his house in verse number two. They said, we'll abide in the street all night. He pressed upon them greatly and they turned in unto him, verse three, and entered into his house. And he made them a feast and did bake and leaven bread and they did eat. But before they laid down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round both old and young, all the people from every quarter. They called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men that came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. They were a bunch of perverts. Yes, they are a bunch of Sodomites. Preach. Okay? Preach. They are a bunch of Sodomites is what they were. The Bible says in verse number 6, Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him. Whew. He said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Call them brethren. I'm trying to get through this, but my stomach's churning up here. 
Verse 8, Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Number seven, here's a lesson we can learn from the life of Lot. Don't give perverts access to your children. I'm just going to be honest with you. Do ye to them as is good in your eyes. I'm just going to tell you something. I've got no respect for this man. None. The Bible says he was just man, so I got to go with that. But I wouldn't spit on him if he was on fire. I said I've got no use for a man that would have subjected his daughters to that kind of filth right there. Let's fast forward to 2022. Some of y'all will sit right there on the couch with a bunch of sodomites on the television screen and you won't even change a channel. You won't, you won't mute it. You won't cancel your, come on now. See, y'all liked it when I was preaching about Lot. I'm preaching to us now. I'm not giving the perverts access to my children. I don't want them anywhere near my children. I don't want them looking at them. I don't want them talking to them. I don't want them influencing them. I don't want them anywhere near my children. And you can call me whatever name you want to call me. It'll be like water off a duck's back. I won't lose a bit of sleep over it. I don't want them anywhere near my children. Somebody okay? Do with them as is good in your eyes. Well, we know what that crowd's definition of good is. Mutilating little kids. Cutting, cutting their reproductive organs completely off when they're little bitty children. That's good to them. They think it's a great idea. I don't want that crowd near my kids. Nowhere near them. I don't even understand why this is even the least bit controversial. I don't understand why it's controversial to preach what I'm preaching right now. That crowd is wicked as hell. They're full of the devil and I don't want my children anywhere near them. I don't want your children anywhere near them. Preacher, that's a little bit strong. I can make it stronger if you think you can handle it. Lot walked out there and was going to give his kids to that crowd. I think we ought to love them. I think we ought to try to bring them in. I'm not talking about loving sinners. I'm talking about offering your kids up to them. And just for the record, God rained down fire and brimstone on them. (laughs) What would God do? We know what God did. Number eight, the Bible tells us Lot went out. They said to him in verse number 12, they said, have you, the, the, the angel said, have you, have you got any here besides son-in-law, and thy sons, thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in this place? Bring them out, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord. And 
The Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-laws, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Number eight, don't live so that your children will mock your warnings. I'm sweating up here preaching this. My hands are sweaty. Feel my hands. I'm sweating. I'm not, I'm not playing right now. My kids may not always do what they're supposed to do, but I want them to at least know when daddy's talking, daddy ain't playing. And he seemed as one that mocked. They didn't have, they had zero confidence in him. He was a joke. Are y'all listening to me? Lot was a joke to his own kids. My hands are sweating. Because my kids, my kids ain't all grown. I got a 10-year-old sitting right there. My hands are sweating, so help me right now. To think that the day would come that I could look at my son with tears running down my face and he'd laugh in my face and say, you're a joke. You're an absolute joke, Daddy. I, I don't know if I could think of anything worse than that. I'm not talking about kids that does what they want to. I'm talking about kids that has got absolutely zero Respect for their parents. <clears throat> one thing you say about that prodigal son, Daddy. You can say one thing about him. That boy had to go somewhere else to fornicate. He wasn't going to do it at the house. You got to give his daddy that much. He had to go spend that money on all those harlots. He had to go do it somewhere else. He wasn't going to live at home and do it. Lord, help us. Don't live so that your children will mock your warnings. Amen. Number nine. I got two more. Y'all, can y'all handle two more? The Bible says in verse number 15, the morning arose and the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, while he lingered, they've already told him in verse number, verse number 13, we're going to destroy this place. Get out of this place, verse number 14. The Lord is going to destroy this city. And the next morning, they're having to grab him by the hands in verse number 16. Grab him by the hands, laid a hold upon his hand, upon the wife, hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters. The Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. Number nine, write this down, young people. Don't drag your feet when your family is in danger of destruction. While he lingered, what was he doing? He's already been told the place is going to be destroyed. And they had to grab him by the hand, grab his wife, grab his two daughters by the hands and drag them out of the city. There are times as a pastor, I look at families and I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing? Like a five alarm fire. You're standing in front of the 
house playing on your phone, get the water hose out. Call the fire department. Do something. They usually call me and my wife when the house is burnt to the ground. Oh, we need some marriage counseling. No, you need, you need God to perform a miracle. You need a counseling a year ago. Six months ago. When your family is in imminent danger, don't linger. Those of you that are married, you know when your marriage is not 100%. You can say amen. You know when your marriage is not 100%. Don't you? I mean, if you've got problems in your marriage and you don't know it, I mean, wow. You know. One guy said, when I get off of work, I just go home, open the door, take my hat off, throw it up in the house. If it comes flying back out, I go to Walmart. Um, you got problems, pal. You got problems. Fix them. Do something. Don't linger. Don't linger. It's your family we're talking about. It's your wife, your husband, your children we're talking about. Do something. Don't drag your feet. He had just been told he and his family be consumed. He lingered. I love what the Bible says about Noah in Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 7. Contrast that with Lot. Hebrews eleven seven. Noah being warned of God moved with fear to the saving of his house. I just can't help but believe, Brother Justin, I believe every day Noah got up and was cutting trees, just cutting trees as fast as he could. I believe he was nailing boards together like that right there. He didn't know when that when it was going to rain. He didn't know. Number 10. The Bible tells us God poured down the rain, uh, the, the fire, the brimstone, destroyed the city. And God told him in verse number 17, escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Lest thou be consumed. Lot said unto the Lord, oh, not so, my Lord. Goodness. Look at what it says in verse number 24. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven and overthrew those cities and all the plains and all the inhabitants of the cities that were round about the ground. Verse 26, here we go. And his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Number 10, write this down. Don't turn your back on your wife when she needs you the most. Lessons from the life of Lot. His wife looked back from behind him. Is that what it says? Why do you reckon it said it like that? Why? Do you suppose the Holy Ghost had it in there just like that? She turned and looked back from behind him. I'm going to tell you something. 
the leader, Brother Adrian, come here just a second. If, if God had told me, I want you to skate, and I don't want anybody to look back. And I had a wife and two daughters. Here's what I'd have been doing. Here's what I'd have been doing right here. Y'all go, don't look back, don't look back, don't look back. You're going to hear something. You're going to hear something. You're going to hear noise. You're going to hear noise. You're going to feel some heat. Do not turn around, whatever you do. But his wife was behind him. And Lot, doing what Lot did, so self-centered, so self-absorbed, turned his back on his wife at a moment when she needed him the most. Y'all can sit down. When I read that, and I realize that, and we could preach for an hour about why she turned around and looked back. She had family there. She had kids there. She had in-laws there. She had a house there. She had stuff there. She had friends there. Lot had built her a life there. She turned around to look. When the fire and brimstone began to fall, she turned around to look. And Lot was standing with his back to her when she needed him the most. And the Bible says she turned into a pillar of salt. And I think about the, the irony of that. Because Lot was not the salt. His wife became salt. Now if he'd have been living with Abraham and him and Abraham had had an outreach ministry down in Sodom and Gomorrah passing out tracts and street preaching, none of this would be happening. But he wasn't the salt. He wasn't the light. The Bible says he was a just man. I think about Lot's wife, how many times her husband let her down. You think about how many times Lot's wife had to put up with her husband doing stupid stuff. And you wonder why God didn't just let him turn into a pillar of salt and let her and her two daughters go up in that cave. The story's in their church for our admonition. There's a horrible story. There's no positive story. There's no good news in there anywhere. The Bible talks about the Lord being merciful in verse number 16. talks about his mercy in verse number 19, magnified mercy. I've preached on that. But tonight the message was lessons from the life of Lot. With heads bowed, eyes closed, altars open.